I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about workplace role models, where I get the opportunity to ask 60 plus questions to female influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. My vision with this podcast is to raise the workplace ecosystem for women in tech. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by highlighting female role models in STEM to encourage more young girls and women to unleash their full potential in these fields to reach top leadership roles. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, tech queen Dora Palfi, co-founder and CEO of Imagi. Hey, Dora. Hi, so great to be here. Ja, jag är mycket glad att ha dig joining us from Stockholm, Sweden today. Hur mår du? Ja, tack så mycket. Jag mår bra. <laughs> Now, hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. Okay. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? Persistent, curious and creative. How would you describe your life in three sentences? Adventurous, fulfilling and social. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? Depends, but I would say instrumental. <laughs> What is your personal motto? It is better to walk your own path imperfectly than follow someone else's perfectly. What is your favorite book? Range, how generalists thrive in a specialized world. What is your favorite podcast? <laughs> this one it will be but i do listen to masters of scale quite a lot mac or pc mac <laughs> say something interesting about you that most people don't know i am a yoga teacher actually practicing teacher which often surprises people when they combine that with being a tech founder and ceo what is your hidden talent i can swim in very cold water if you were going to write a book about your life what would the title be Oh, that's an easy one. Dora the Explorer. Great start. Now, let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, Dora, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Budapest, which is the capital of Hungary, and I just grew up in the outskirts of the city. I went to public Hungarian school, had a very normal childhood there. Was your dream job as a child? From a young-ish age, I liked biology and I wanted to be a, a brain researcher or brain surgeon. So what was your favorite subject in school? Actually, mathematics. What was your least favorite subject? We had a special part for like grammar when it comes to Hungarian language that I did not like much. What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? My father was a programmer, so I think I was surrounded with computers from a really young age. I don't really remember so the arrival of internet. I was quite young, but what I do remember very specifically is when I got my first phone that had ability to connect to the internet. Also the first one that had a touch screen and it took me, I don't know, half an hour to write my first text message on it. So that comes to which were the three first technology gadgets you owned? The mobile had a shared computer with my brothers and uh, a camera, probably a digital camera, because I loved to take pictures, especially when traveling. Who was your famous female role model growing up? I'm not so sure sort of growing up 
if I had so many female role models, unfortunately. But I think for sure, because I really like biology, I knew about Rosalind Franklin, who was famous woman in science. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? I grew up in Hungary, which was one part of my experience that formed me. But then I was extremely lucky to get a scholarship to a university called New York University, but in Abu Dhabi. And this global scholarship really shaped my path forward. Here I was exposed to many different fields, so I was not allowed to only study science. I had to study really in a multidisciplinary manner. And then after that, I came to Sweden to start my master's degree at Kotkoa. I think that was sort of the spark towards entrepreneurship. I think the different steps in my journey all had an impact to where I am today. I want to get more women into STEM. I decided to do that through an entrepreneurial journey. Very interesting. Now, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So Dora, I want to know the choices behind your career path. What did you exactly study at university? First, what really resonates with me, because I think the reason why I wanted to get this scholarship to this American university was that in the United States, you are not required to know exactly what kind of studies you're going to have. You can explore and pick and try more things out. That was a really big motivation for me to want to study abroad and not have to decide right at 16, 17, 18 that I'm sure what I'm going to be doing. When I went into university, I started out with a neuroscience path and major, but because of the flexibility of the university, I could also also try out computer science. I ended up with a minor in computer science. And then through the years, I realized that I really enjoyed that path. And then I went into a master's degree in human computer interaction. So this sort of flexibility really opened up the opportunity for me to go into a different path. Did you have anybody that actually influenced you during the journey? A lot of people. <laughs> what uh, made me go towards uh, computer science was the fact that I already, after my first summer, I got an internship as a researcher and then realized that even if you're working as a scientist, you really have to know how to use computers, to analyze data. And then I thought, okay, it seems like programming is a useful skill no matter what I'm going to be doing. In addition to the people who, of course, influenced my journey in France, what I really loved doing was like learning through doing and then exploring what are the skills that I need and not just in theory but like in practice I would say projects and hackathons and internships those really helped me guide and shape sort of like my career decisions and then what professional roles have you had before that led you to actually starting your own company I started Imagi straight out of school but I did sort of have internships because I was just the type of person who always wanting to do something even when studying. I mostly worked as a kind of research student throughout my undergraduate studies, but then I worked as a developer at a large bank and then I worked as a UX designer also during a, a summer. So for our listeners, what is Imagi and what is your role? At Imagi, we are on a mission to 
empower all children, but specifically making sure that girls and non-binary and other underrepresented groups are empowered to shape the future with technology. We're doing that through creating products and tools that make it fun to learn coding and also make it easy for educators to teach programming. I'm one of the founders and I'm the CEO, which I sometimes refer to the chief everything officer. But when I talk to kids as a chief emoji officer so that they can relate to it, I really do a lot of different things or a lot of hats. In the early days, I did work a lot on the design, for example, and also with our curriculum and how we teach coding. And then at certain periods, I focus on fundraising. At certain periods, I focus on sales and the business development, trying to do what is the most important and impactful at a certain time. And how did you start the company to what it is today? Like I mentioned, I was still studying or this started out of university technically. So I had a project while I was at KTH where essentially I was trying to come up with a product idea that would make it fun for girls to learn coding. I was surrounded with so many sort of entrepreneurial people, but also opportunities. KTH had its own incubator called KTH Innovation. So first we had a coach there and it was more of a gradual process thinking more and more about this project. And I always say that I used to be the person who had the worst FOMO. always wanted to be able to do everything but then suddenly when the idea for magic came about it became so much easier to say no to things and just like keep focusing on this one thing until it became from an idea a prototype and then we had a first customer who wanted to pay us the money so we had to actually create a business and then really just growing into it is today it didn't happen overnight of course so it was quite a gradual process what does a typical workday like for you It's very hard to say because there's no typical work day, but I do try to give myself time in the mornings to think about what is it that I want to achieve today. And then I look at what are my goals for this week and what I'm trying to achieve today is that feeding into my goals for the week. And the beginning of the week, I look at, oh, the goals I'm setting for this week are those fitting into the goals of the quarter, kind of helping me stay on track. But, you know, sometimes I'm at events, sometimes I have a million meetings and some Sometimes I have a full day just to do focused work. And I think that's also the beauty of it. I'm the kind of person who enjoys change and just lots of different stimuli. I like that my days are always quite different. I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. What do you love about your role? Wow. <laughs> Second part of this quote is that uh, and you will be working constantly. Of course, what I love is when I see the positive impact of it. Be that post we spot on LinkedIn from a happy parent who is talking about how their child is using Imagine to learn coding or when we get to meet teachers who are using our tools. I would say the most motivating and happy moments are when we see it actually having an impact in the real world. But I must say, when you asked me to describe myself with hashtag, one of them was curious. And I am genuinely just a curious person. I can get really excited about digging deep into so many different things, be that up from design or how we teach, how people learn, all these problems I'm really, really interested in. I can just be very happy when I, I get to spend time digging deep into one of these areas. And you've reached many incredible milestones. However, what would you say is the best experience you've had in your role so far? There have been so many, it's really, really hard to sort of pinpoint the best, but I would say it probably ties back to some of the experiences when, for example, we have had our Imagi girls who were the original group of girls who helped us shape what the product is going to be like, come and meet us or tell us about how they have been learning and growing in their path towards a potential career in tech. I think my best experiences have been spending time with people who have been impacted by our work. 
I know of experience, starting a company and driving it forward is very challenging. What is the biggest challenge you've encountered so far and how did you tackle it? Of course, the big challenge is being super focused in the present and getting things done. And exact same time, also keeping bird's eye view over everything and having sort of like a visionary path forward. So managing these two things at the same time, I think are extremely challenging. If one would know how difficult this journey is going to be, it would be impossible to get started. Say I've just been blissfully ignorant in the beginning, only trying to take one step at a time. That's how I try to tackle whenever we are in a very stressful situation to think of what is the smallest possible step that I can take right now towards resolving this issue and just get going from there. Because I think once you start solving a problem, it like sets into motion and it gives you confidence that you can figure it out. It will make it much easier to make progress. And what do you wish everybody understood about your role? I'm really passionate about getting more women into tech, but also into tech entrepreneurship. One thing about my role is that it is probably suited for more people. And I hope there will be a lot more entrepreneurs and startup founder CEOs like me in the near future already. I wish for more people to understand how fun it is and also how doable it is. What is then one common myth about your profession or field that you want to disapprove? I think a lot of it is around the gender stereotypes. Obviously, most tech startup founders are not women. <laughs> I really wish to change this image and also the current state of affairs. What do you love about working in the tech industry? it feels like it's the future. You really feel like you're at the forefront of the change and you can be really optimistic of where we're going and see so many opportunities. Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is another stepping stone to greatness. So Dora, what have by far been your biggest achievement in your career? What a great quote. Because I always say you only really fail when you stop trying because until then you're learning. I mentioned already that I grew up in Hungary where actually I only started to learn English when I was in high school. So it was a really huge achievement to then go into this international university and get a scholarship when I was 18, really just a few years after I started learning English and going there, studying a higher education and get a degree, which was a great achievement. I think at the time, I was really proud of making the brave decision to leave sort of like research behind and try programming and getting my first job as a developer and then of course I was also very proud of just taking the leap to start a company <laughs> so I think that in itself was a huge achievement. I've been really lucky that I also had my co-founder Beatrice join in quite early and from there we have achieved a lot of milestones and with our team. What is the biggest factor that has helped you become successful? Any success habits? Uh, one thing is probably just a growth mindset and coming from a background where I had the space as a young person to grow and explore and learn that I can learn, <laughs> so to say, develop a confidence that nothing is impossible. And I think that has been a huge enabler coming from an environment and having friends and family around who have that similar mindset has been really important. Always believe that you can do better, you can do more. Whatever you set your mind to is probably going to be possible to achieve. How do you measure your own performance at work? We use a system called OKR, Objectives and Key Results. These are quite measurable goals and we are becoming better and better at using it. Measurable goals that are achievable for every quarter or year. And I do that actually also in my sort of like personal aspirations. I like to just stay quite goal oriented. I do believe what gets measured gets done. It makes 
you also be honest with your priorities because obviously if you're trying to do everything you won't be able to do anything really well like exercise of setting goals and kind of reflecting is what is it that I can say yes to what is it I can say no to what success come failures so what is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it probably so many failures <laughs> so hard to say as much as like I've gotten so many opportunities be that from scholarships and jobs there have probably been 10 or 100 no's <laughs> before every yes I think the more successes you have probably your failure list is even longer really every success came after tons of failure be that applying for scholarships or programs or jobs and then with Imagine Labs too right like with funding like all the no's I've heard before having yeses so there's just an infinite list of those based on that what is inspiring and motivating you to keep on going with Imagi, we have been able to secure funding, bring our product to market and actually have measurable impact now. But really, most of the potential still lies in the future. And we started out with the mission that all 300 million preteen girls in the world should have the opportunity to try coding for themselves, see if it's something for them. To me, yeah, that's the, the biggest motivator, how much change there is still to be made. Let us now jump into the influence of mentorship and role models. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, mentors can guide us through our career journey and open the world of possibilities. As a startup founder, we do have some of our angel investors who are also advisors and mentors. I spend more time talking to one advisor. But for example, we have an angel investor. Her name is Kristal Kristik, and she is from Estonia. And she is the founder of a company called Teslio. She is just an incredible role model, right? Because also a woman in tech who has built a company. I both follow her journey and sometimes get her input. But then also currently we're in an accelerator program with Morgan Stanley, where we also have sort of coach and entrepreneur in residence. She has been extremely amazing as well. We just started working with her like a couple of weeks ago. Her impact on our company is already huge. Her name is Rupa Popat. As I go through the journey, there's different people who help at different points, which I think is also really important sort of about mentorship. You can get the biggest value when you know what you're sort of asking for. I really like that there's a strong network around us who is really willing to help when, when challenges come up. And I just have to remember <laughs> to actually reach out when I'm facing a difficulty or a challenge. Who would you say is the female role model you look up to in your field? I don't necessarily know if like it's exactly the field. For example, Melinda Gates is a huge role model for me. She worked in technology, but also because of the work that she does with the Gates Foundation. When I'm asked the typical question of who would you want to have as a dinner guest, I would definitely love to meet her. How important do you think it is to have a role model and mentor during one's career? extremely important and I've also read studies around this how especially if it's mostly men who are at the top of certain companies and they do tend to mentor young men and not young women then we are like stuck in this same vicious cycle that it is harder for women to get to the top I really hope that this is something that can be overcome if we're conscious about it I see and hear that oftentimes new job opportunities promotions and everything happens in more like informal settings let us move on to leadership. Shirley Sambersio of Facebook said, I quote, leadership is about making others as a result of your presence and making sure that the impact lasts in your absence. What does leadership mean to you? Walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Miles style has a lot been about leading by example, recognizing how you can help people bring the most out of themselves. 
What do you consider a good versus a bad leader? At the end of the day, as a leader, what you're working towards, if you have a, a mission-driven company, is how close do we get to that mission being realized? So as a good leader, you're able to motivate people around you and essentially align resources to make that vision become a reality while really uplift the people around you. These two have to come together. You can't just uplift the people and not be aligned on the same vision. That would be bad leadership. Also putting resources in the direction of a vision, but not uplifting your team and the people around you would also be bad leadership. Who is your favorite female tech leader and why? There is a company called Goldie Blocks, which is also a product for young girls. Debbie Sterling, who is the founder and CEO, she's really, really cool. So I've been following her because similar space. Same with Lady Ada, so called the founder of Ada Fruit, and then Aya Dyer, she's the founder of Little Bits. I think it's really cool that there is quite a few female founders in the EdTech and, and STEM space. And I must say, I'm also really lucky to know quite a few badass female founders. And also in EdTech, for example, I was part of a, a female founder fellowship. And I've also been part of the Cartier Women's Initiative, which is another network of female founders. So I've been able to see really, really amazing role models and actually meet them in person as well. How would you describe yourself as a leader? I have a very consistent presence that I've been told. Maybe it has to do something with the, the yoga teaching. Something that is important for me is to be consistent with sort of the vision I'm working towards, but also in how I'm able to handle tough situations and actually hold things together, even then it gets tougher. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? inclusion. This is actually something that we have as a value even at Imagis and inclusive leadership as part of that with our team internally, but also externally products that we put in the world and, and how we exist in the ecosystem. What leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you into the leader you are today? Something that is a bit unintuitive, but going back to sort of measuring success, you asked me earlier, how do I measure my own success? And I mentioned that you know, we have numerical goals and I'm looking at how I'm able to achieve. Initially, one has a tendency that if someone else on the team doesn't achieve goals or is not on track to achieve goals to, to think that it's kind to be like, oh, that's okay, no problem, no worries. But actually being sort of unclear on expectations is very unkind. Something that I have learned on the journey is being really clear and specific and holding people accountable is actually the kind thing to do for everyone's sake. What are your three strengths and three weaknesses? Strengths, optimism and positivity, ability to handle stress and difficulties, and then coming out of tough situations with creative solutions. Weaknesses, I must say being optimistic is probably also a weakness. <laughs> Sometimes you can be overly optimistic and that can become demotivating or moralizing if you're, for example, too optimistic about what you can achieve, what goals you set also for a team. Definitely a weakness that I don't have that much experience, obviously. As much as I said that being blissfully ignorant is great because you don't know what else is coming obviously it is somewhat a weakness that i have not so many years behind me and then maybe i talk too much we're running out of time i could be shorter in my sentences <laughs> let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today workplace culture unlocking the power diversity quality inclusion and belonging you mentioned earlier that that's a big value in your company so what do diversity quality inclusion and belonging mean to you personally 
Wow, a very tough question. For example, in the Swedish context, I think equality and diversity discussion started out just around gender. And I think this is a lot more to it. I think one of the things that would just like point out really is that we have to sort of open up the definition of it and really read it about ethnic minorities, so many other dimensions that will be the most important kind of contribution of mine to this. It almost feels like sometimes people are afraid of diversity because they think they might do it wrong. So I think what's important is that we have sort of like more an open conversation about it how can we all like thrive to be better more inclusive more diverse and not be afraid of doing it wrong what do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture I would assume it's about what the people working there say. Of course, I understand that people want to change jobs <laughs> or want a new challenge, but still probably staying friends with who they worked with or staying connected means that it was a good workplace for them. It's really about the people and if they feel it's a positive place for them and if they're happy to go to work, it would be one positive sign. You could probably measure it by talking to people and asking them how they would describe the culture <laughs> and to see if that is the same as the leader would describe the culture because I think oftentimes there's a really big difference between the two which is obviously not the ideal case. As a woman what has been the most significant barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? Hard to know what it would be like if I was a man. You often face unconscious biases also of your own. If you don't see people like you doing the things that you're aspiring to do, you start to question it. If it is something for you, myself have been also a barrier, right? Because I didn't see it, so I couldn't believe it. I think that is a big challenge. I can't say it's with certainty, but you can look at the numbers with certainty and, and unconventional ventures. They just released this report, I think yesterday, the funding for only female funded companies have decreased actually from last year. And it's like 0.7 percent now in the Nordics. Getting funding is a lot harder as a female founder. And why do you think it is important for more women to join the tech industry, especially as leaders? If you just think about it, we are using technology to solve the most pressing problems of the world. But then actually like the suggestion, for example, from Y Combinator, right, which is like the big, most famous incubator for startups, is that founders should try to solve the problems that they themselves have. Now, if it's only one type of people who are starting tech companies, then they will all be solving their own problems. And so who is going to use technology to solve the problems of everyone else? If you don't have diversity among the people creating technologies, then we will not be using technology for everyone's benefit. You can see this voice recognition, not recognizing female voices, just because the data was only trained with data from employees and lots of very similar and shocking examples occur when there's no diversity among the creators of technologies. Do you and how do you speak with your female and male industry colleagues about this subject, especially the challenges? I have sort of a keynote speech that I often give, which is why we need gender equality in tech. And I've been happy that I've been asked, for example, by the Gender Equality Council of like certain communes in Sweden to listen to this presentation. Clearly, I have an opportunity to educate more people on this topic, which is really important. I sort of have that type of dialogue and then also with other sort of experts in the field to understand what this all means. When it comes to my contribution is being really aware of what are the opportunities for recruiting including diverse tech talent in the industry, really supporting all my male founder friends that they take advantage of these and actually recruit more women. It's like being sort of like a connector and making sure that the people around me know about also the potential solutions and not just about the problem is ways in which I engage very actively this topic. 
And there are many public and internal discussion about the various women face from reaching higher position in the tech industry. How do you feel it has affected and is affecting you? And what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks? I have not been climbing a ladder at a big company or bigger company because I started my own. So obviously I face more of the challenges on sort of the funding side, but I would imagine mentorship and really seeking out support and network, building a strong network is the most valuable thing one can do in order to make sure that they can continue advancing in a career. Something that's super important for me is whenever we have these conversations, when I'm speaking on a panel about this topic and diversity, initially it has often been all female panels and then the organizers will be super proud oh we have an all women panel and i'm like that's not great because it's literally only women in the audience listening just now i'm going to be speaking about this topic actually in hungary where i'm originally from and i was really happy that the organizer engaged me in the, the planning phase and i was like no we cannot do an all female panel we really need to have men involved in this discussion and making sure that this is not going to be like a side stage that you just put on the agenda but this is something that is a central topic of discussion that is also extremely important that we have everyone engaged in this conversation. And as the tech industry finds it hard to attract and especially retain women, what is your best advice on strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity? We've worked with Huawei, some of their initiatives for gender kind of representation in their tech-like side of the business. And I think something that a lot of companies do successfully now is from having like graduate programs where maybe they can bring in talent who might not come like from the traditional background that they would be recruiting from. So an example would be, oh, you just think of only recruiting people who studied computer science, then you really only have guys. But if you expand it to, for example, someone who studied mathematics or someone who, who studied bioinformatics, and then you realize that you can train them a little bit and they already have most of the background, then you can sort of increase the percentage that is more diverse than if you just only went for the typical degrees. And then I think implementing sort of internal mentoring schemes so that you can remove this bias towards guys only mentoring guys and really making sure that within the firm you're supporting the trajectory of women employees from the earlier stages of their career seems to be working out in some first at least. A lot of companies communicate that they're working with this subject today, but what would you say are the few challenges of implementing diversity, equality, inclusion and belonging culture in a workplace today? It's almost like we set up a separate role for it, like someone who's going to be charged of diversity instead of making it integral to the entire business. And then it becomes like a side conversation. So I think the biggest danger is if it becomes just like an afterthought or something that is not core to the entire organization. And then perhaps pushing it on to everyone, like a mandatory lecture to attend. And then they tick off that, okay, we did an unconscious bias training. Probably having diversity by design and central in the organization and making sure that everyone is aligned on the why is really important because without that it would not be effective. Why and how do you think companies would benefit from having a workplace gender diversity, especially better gender representation at sea level? You don't have to take my word for this, but there is a lot of research showing how much better companies with uh, diverse executives actually deliver in terms of financial returns. That should speak for itself. You get better representation of ideas, a more diverse pool of talent, and it drives better results. And how do you think the industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined the tech industry? 
change is slow <laughs> and that is something that we see and experience. I think something that has happened, there's more and more conversation, which is sort of the first step. And also what I've seen is there's more and more actual measurement, which is sort of the second step. Because before there was only conversations and not even numbers. Now at least there is more number so that you know what is it that you're sort of trying to fix and what it would mean to fix. And then you can think of solutions. So I think it's sort of maturing on this path that like we just talked about it. Now we're measuring it, come to the stage where like we also have to hold everyone accountable for delivering the promises. And looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? Most of my career experiences from my own company. <laughs> Something that I still struggle with is that often when you get coaching and training, for example, a female founder, you're being taught how to act more like a male founder. It is a really big dilemma if you should be acting more like men or if uh, the industry should change to accept how women might be slightly different but can thrive equally well. So I think this is a very sensitive sort of like dynamic that I'm still figuring out. But of course, I wish that the industry would be ready to just take these differences we wouldn't have to fit the mold ourselves. And looking forward, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias of the next generation of women in tech? So there is this theory around sort of reaching a critical mass or critical number. And I don't exactly remember what it is, but I believe it's around like 30% or plus. So once sort of like a minority reaches that representation, it becomes much easier to then, you know, have a positive reinforcement cycle. I truly believe is a much bigger percentage of women entering the industry, then it will be much more successful to also sort of reach to the top because less women will leave if they feel like they belong to the industry. I feel like we just need to reach to that critical tipping point so that it can accelerate change. Let us now move on to another hot topic in business today, which is workplace life balance and mental health. Dora, I know without a doubt you have a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain a good mental health? I mentioned that I'm a yoga teacher, so that's a big part of it. But in general, exercise is one of my most important tips and hacks in life. And as cliche as it is, you know, good sleep and good diet <laughs> and also spending time with friends and family and loved ones, just making sure that you prioritize being well, because otherwise you can't show up for others. Have you ever experienced burnout? I wouldn't say so. I really need to read up on the definition of it, but I think I've been able to always step back in time and do intense yoga weekend <laughs> or whatever is needed before I would really hit the wall. What motivates you every day to get out of bed? I'm really, really passionate about my company, obviously. So I think making sure that we can succeed with Imagi is really a strong enough motivator. And what I mentioned earlier is that I'm a curious person, so I can get really excited about just getting to work and getting into flow and learning something new that day. What is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now? I wish I had a heck for this. Maybe example is important there too. Obviously, if I myself doing yoga, doing the exercise, the meditation and maybe talk about what I'm doing, it obviously makes it clear for everyone else that it's good to take the time for it. I think conversations around this are really important. Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and piece of advice for our listeners. You're such an influencer in the tech industry. What is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career? Really just thinking about any failure as a learning experience has been very important in my kind of path, especially on the entrepreneurial journey. And this is just the beginning. Next time you will be starting from experience. 
And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle that? Oh God, it's fun that you ask because there's probably so much bad advice out there, right? And everyone wants to provide mentorship. And we also know that, especially for women, like we are over-mentored and underfunded. But I do know that with any advice, it's really important that eventually you make your own version of it and you walk away with whatever you think makes sense. Because at the end of the day, if you just listen to others and be that good advice or bad advice, like I mentioned, my motto is to walk your own path imperfectly. Like if you just rely on advice, then you will probably have much bigger regrets than if you actually try to carve out your own path and learnings. Is there something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry? I wish I had learned coding when I was a kid, <laughs> which is why I'm also <laughs> a true believer that with our company, we can really have an impact because having technical skills allows you to start building solutions to the problems that you care about. Most people I know who really thrive in the tech industry started out when they were quite young. So I do wish I had learned to code when I was very young. And if you had the ability to go back in time when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you have given to your younger self? The most important for me would be to optimize for learning. Don't care much about title or even the company, as long as you think this is going to be the right learning experience. And that also comes down probably to the environment or like the people there or the person who's going to be mentoring and managing you. I would say, yes, optimize for learning. What advice would you give to young girls and women wanting and trying to break the STEM fields today and especially becoming leaders? I look at STEM as a tool. You're not learning to code to learn to code. You're learning to code to be able to use those skills to solve the problems you care about. But I think my advice would be just to find what you're passionate about and then build the skill set that is needed to tackle and work in that field. But I think it's really important to have a passion beyond like the specific skill set topic that you care about because that is what will keep you motivated and not the fact that you know how to code or that you have a specific interest industry experience. Last but not least, what is next for you and Imagi? What is on the roadmap? So right now we just joined this accelerator with Morgan Stanley and it's a very intensive program. It's helping us really focus in on our school offering. So we've been now working with educators and we're hoping to really increase the number of teachers teaching with Imagi and make sure that they can succeed in the classroom and then expanding on how much sort of like teaching content we offer. If anyone knows of educators wanting to teach coding, do reach out and Christmas is around or any type of holiday you may celebrate not just christmas <laughs> we do have our imagine charms available for kids to be used at home i'm just excited to expand the community of kid coders on our app thank you so much dora for being a guest on the queens of tech podcast sharing your journey will without a doubt inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women in tech and the amazing work you're doing of educating women and teaching them to love coding thank you it was great to be here thank you for listening if you have worked in the tech industry minimum three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit queensof.tech.